Hard, heavy, and hell. Badass music for badass listeners. If you'll indulge me for a moment, I remember a morning in 1989 or 90. I went to sleep listening to a classic rock radio station, hearing The Doors, The Who, Pilot, and so on. And overnight, the station had changed formats to a modern rock station. I remember I'm waking up, lying in my waterbed, and I hear the last fading notes of Bon Jovi's I'll Be There For You. And then I hear this, not weird, but definitely out of place, Eastern Dulcimer. Half a minute of sitar, then a killer heavy guitar riff, and some guy saying a cappella, now dig this. That moment, right there, hooked me and made me an Electric Boys fan all the way up until now. That very day I woke up to the song Lips and Hips, I went out and bought their debut album, Funka Metal Carpet Ride, on cassette, which I wore out twice before eventually buying the CD. I've bought every Electric Boys record since. So it was a particular honor for me to sit down with the man who whispered, now dig this, who played that sitar and the heavy guitar riff that followed it, with the man who sang and wrote almost everything I love about the Electric Boys music. From his home in Stockholm, Sweden, Connie Bloom of the Electric Boys and Hanoi Rocks talked with me about his music, the new Electric Boys album out April 30th, touring, past and future, the secret to staying young, whether the global pandemic was his fault, and the scariest moment in his life. That time he played Led Zeppelin in front of Led Zeppelin, and thought Jimmy Page was going to knock him out. I'm Pariah Burke, I'm host of the Hard, Heavy and Hair Show, and I am very happy to be joined today by Connie Bloom, the original Freaky Funkster, singer, guitarist, and lead songwriter for the Electric Boys, uh, former guitarist for Hanoi Rocks, and a solo artist himself. Welcome to the show, Connie. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for coming on. So, you were... Nice introduction. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm glad you like it. Where are you based, by the way? UK, of course, but... Port- oh, no. I, actually, I'm in the US, in Portland, Oregon. Portland. All right. Cool, man. Is that where, uh, is that where uh, Down Reed Network is from? Yeah. Yeah, you toured with them, didn't you? Yeah, we did. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've played with Dan quite a few times, actually. I mean... Our paths have crossed over the years. It's interesting how it happened, but uh, they were doing this sort of funk rock thing at the same time, and we 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 both released or recorded the albums at the same time, but <clears throat> the first album, so we didn't know of each other. But when we went to Phonogram in uh, UK to take our first album further and then and they said oh we just we just released this uh band called downread network it was, it was a bit funky as well and then of of course we kept in in touch over the years that's a great guy the whole band is great actually so yeah we've done a few things together oh. 
Yeah. Um, I noticed we have the same ring, by the way. <laughs> the skull ring. Oh, we do. Look, he's Richard yeah. ring. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We got that on rock and roll in common. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and we're also both fans of the Electric Boys uh, for too many years to think about right now. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I want to ask, how did, how did you come up with the Electric Boys sound? You know, it's, it's unique. And when you came out in the late 80s, you know, over, over here in the U.S., um, Funk and Metal Carpet Ride, I think, officially dropped in 90. Um, and you were just so unique on the radio. There was, there was nothing like the Electric Boys sound. How did you come up with that? I think it was just uh, the fact that we were listening to so many different kinds of music. And, uh, I mean, I grew up listening to 50s rock and roll via my parents, like Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, Little Richard, and all that kind of stuff. And Beatles was a big thing in my home. I remember, you know, when I, when I started going to school, I, I knew all the songs and all the lyrics and to, to the Beatles stuff. I mean, it was so just so catchy and, and good, I guess. And, uh, and then I heard Ballroom Blitz and Schools Out. Uh. I remember sort of around the same time, which is when I started buying albums on my own. And, uh, and then it's just moved on from there. And then I started listening to find out all this uh, soul and funk, like Sly and the Family, Stone, Undisputed Truth, Betty Davis, uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I remember us thinking when, when it was me and the bass player, this must have been around mid-80s sometime and we were thinking like you know we gotta have put a band together and what what what's it gonna sound like we need to find our own thing and I, I remember us thinking about it quite a lot but which I guess didn't really take us anywhere because I remember when Lips and Hips the song Lips and Hips came about I I wasn't actually thinking at all. I was just playing around with this drop D tuning and then all of a sudden that riff came up. And uh, so I wrote that song and then there was a song called Psychedelic Eyes that came around the, sort of around the same time, which I, I think that was inspired by a cheap trick tune, but I can't remember which one. But, but all of a sudden, listening back to them after, after I'd written them and we... It just felt like we were onto something. Uh, both both of those songs, they were in totally different tempos, but but they had that bouncy or funky, or, you know. They had a groove to them anyway, not just you know, not just like da -na -da -da -na, like straight rock and roll. It was a bit more funky, I guess. So, well, I guess so, sorry, long long uh, answer, but uh, I think it's just a, a mixture of a lot of different inspiration sources. Okay, um, yeah, you mentioned psychedelic eyes. That is one of my favorite songs of all time by anybody. Um, I, I love Thank that you. song. Um, yeah, so you you came up with this sound. What motivates you to keep the same sound going? Because I've been listening, I, I have every one of your albums, and it's always the Electric Boys sound. You know, other than the couple of covers from last year, 
it, it's a very consistent sound. There's growth, but it is electric voice, immediately identifiable. And with your solo work as well. Um, I think it probably has to do with um, with things you can't do as well. Like I always, I mean, oh, I, 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 as a singer, I always wanted to sing like Dan McCafferty or or Bon Scott or uh, Naughty Holder or all these guys, but I can't and. I think stuff like that is like, okay, so what can I do? Well, all, all I can do is this. And, uh, and hopefully that's going to be something that, that works. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. no, I, I think I, I feel really lucky actually that we, because of that and because we found the band, the, the members in the band and, and, you know, people can sometimes you can look for forever and try to find something different or whatever. And we've we had all these different inspirations, inspiration sources, and we and the four of us got together and and played, and and that's what it ends up sounding like. So it's so to speak, it's it's not something you can uh, practice or or read about or try to figure out via youtube or something it's 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 just what it sounds like so i'm 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 really humble and thankful for that actually um there's some kind of chemistry going on i guess and and we've noticed um later on now after we we reformed the band that even if we play there's a song called You Spark My Heart, for instance, that was uh, on on the previous album, which when I wrote it, it I wasn't even thinking about that it, this was going to be like an electric voice tune. It could be anything. I was just writing writing songs. And when I first played it to the guys, they said they, they loved the song, but they said, but it doesn't sound like electric voice. But of course, it was done at home with, with drum machine, and I was playing all the instruments and stuff. And then... And then when we listened to it later on for the second time, it, it was the same kind of discussion that, but this is a great song, but it doesn't sound like Electric Boys. But, and then we said, but what if we play it? Maybe it sounds like Electric Boys. So we started rehearsing it and everybody added their, their own little way of playing their instruments and personality. And, and I think in the end, it, that works too. So. I guess as as long as we're playing, as long as it's that th those kind of riffs, and as long as I'm singing, I mean, ob obviously the the vocals are important for 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 a person the the personal personality of a band. But then usually it ends up sounding like us. I think, uh, at least I hope so. I mean. And especially nowadays, also, I think there's so much music, and so it's it's difficult to cut through in all this this social media craziness. So I think it's uh, I'd rather be a little bit too experimental than too safe, if you see what I mean. I, I'd rather people hear an album and think, "Oh, that was that was different, or that's weird," or than just hearing what they expect to hear, if you see what yes. I mean. 
Yes, I, I, I wouldn't like it to be too too um, predictable. Yeah, keep them guessing. Um, What's that? Keep them guessing. Yeah, and and it it's more interesting for for us as well. You know, you don't want to end up sounding the same all the time unless you're. ACDC status quo, in which case nobody wants it to change. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would piss people off if it if it changes. Right. Yeah. ACDC is, you know, back in black is Power Age is Thunderstruck. You know, it's all the same, but it's good. It's it's but, the best. Yeah. Um, we need bands that are predictable, but we also need bands that experiment and change. I yeah. think that's, I think that's a good thing to have both. So you mentioned that it's different now, cutting through social media and all that. You've been in this since the '80s. How is being a band, being a a musician now, different than it was back in the '80s and '90s? Well, um, I'm thinking two things. Um, First of all, one is money, because there was a lot of money in the business. So if you had a record company and they believed in you, there, there was a lot of money put into videos and promotion and all that kind of stuff. And also, in those days, it, it was like, uh, if, if you could get a song on MTV, and if it was a good song and you, and you get it to, play, to be played on MTV, you could sort of count on that it was going to be a hit because everybody was watching MTV. Yes. Whereas nowadays it's MTV like played so spread out Sorry. all over the place. So he might uh, it might be played a lot in, uh, on one radio station or one um, internet, uh, social media, some somewhere. But how how how? How are you going to reach out to all these people at the same time? So that that was a, that was easier back then because there wasn't so many different uh, opportunities really. Like it was, it wasn't so many different uh, directions to take. It was like you get on MTV and you'll make it. <laughs> yes. Whereas okay. now it's like uh, where 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 are you going to go because there's so many different. Uh, places to go it's really difficult i mean uh how how i think every band has this same it's the same question how are we gonna cut through or, or reach all these people yes so i think that was uh that was easier back then and as i said rec there was a lot of money in the business so so you had someone who would back the bands up from a record label uh, point of view for promotion and stuff. You crowdfunded at least one album, didn't you? One of your yeah. recent ones. Uh, I know, was it the Ghost Ward Diaries or Starflight United or both? Uh, Ghost Ward Diaries, I think. Starflight mm -hmm. United was a record label. On your solo album, Psychonaut, in the song, I'll Be Fine, you sang, 
quote, there ain't no rock and roll no more, just the sickly sound of greed, end quote. Do you still feel like that or? That's, uh, I, I think that's one, one of the few lines that I've ever borrowed from someone. And that, and that was from Ian Hunter. Oh, I didn't catch that. What's good. Is that f- it, it wasn't meant <laughs> to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think so. Maybe not the whole line, but at least uh, it was inspired by it, by something that he said. Um, do I feel the same? I think you got to put it in context with whatever that song was about. I I haven't heard it for many years now. I can't remember, but... Uh, well, I don't know. It was something I felt when I wrote it. I'm not... Uh, maybe I wouldn't have written the same today. Just a sickly sound of greed. There's always people who wants to make money out of uh, music, of course, but I think most people nowadays who wants to make money, they... they choose another <laughs> another direction <laughs> i guess yeah that's unfortunate yeah it is wow. but um but back back in the day uh you couldn't it was easier to make a lot of money in music or on music whatever you say but most investors nowadays i'm sure they would pick another subject or and go down another route <laughs> yeah you released Game, Set, Bloom, your solo album. It had a lot of groovy tunes, um, and you sang in Swedish. Well, it did shit, because it was released in uh, 2020, actually. Uh, On Friday the 13th of March. Oh, oh. uh, In my, my family... That that date has always been a lucky number. So when, when the record company said, well, let's release it on, on that date, I said, yeah, fine, let's do it. But the thing was that the same day we were going to have like a, we're going to have a release party at Soundpolis and a record store in uh, Old Town in Stockholm. And that was canceled because pretty much on the same day there was uh, restrictions coming out that you couldn't do that kind of stuff. So so I'm, I've been like, I've been joking, jokingly, I've been saying that, you know, I released my solo album and <laughs> all shit hit the fan. <laughs> it all happened at, at that day, pretty much, or at least just around the same time. And then and nothing's been the same since. <laughs> so uh, that sucks. I'm really sorry to hear that. But if it helps, I blame Motley Crue for last year. You know, they, they signed a contract in blood that they'd never get back together. Then they break the contract and the world shuts down and a global pandemic hits. Oh, bless them. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but uh, it was a weird, it was a very, well, it still is strange times for sure. It's like everyone's just hanging on the edge, just waiting for, for some good news, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm hoping with the vaccines rolling out that live music is going to come back. Artists can tour their new albums. You know, albums that came out 18 within the last 18 months they couldn't tour. So, yeah. you know, and maybe those albums will get new legs that they couldn't get in 2020. Yeah. So, 
Um, I'm um, hoping. I it, really. It feels like, I don't know what it's like over, over where you are, but uh, the vaccine is a bit slow. We're still waiting for a lot of vaccine to to come, and uh, this. But as I'm sure that as, or I'm hoping that as as soon as, especially all the risk, uh, what what's it called in English? Like all the people that are. Um, Elderly people and all the people that are at ri high risk for, high, for various high risk, yeah. yeah, yeah. If if they only get vaccinated, then it shouldn't be as much of a of a threat to the society or whatever. Then uh, then things should probably start changing. I hope. But uh, we're just waiting for all the vaccine to to arrive. I mean. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit everybody. slow here as well. What's that? It's it's slow here as well. Um, we're at about fifteen percent vaccinated. So, yeah. Nicholas, our original drummer, he lives in in Los Angeles, so he he wasn't even part of this album because he couldn't he couldn't come, couldn't travel. Oh, that's oh, we have, we've had two drummers since we reformed the band in 2009 after after Anna Rocks. And uh, so he's been doing the tours, longer tours. And, and then we've had this guy from The Quill uh, doing all the like weekend shows and, and stuff like that over here. And they both played on, on the previous album. But on this one, we, we couldn't bring Nicholas over because it was it, it was impossible. Nicholas couldn't make it because of the pandemic, so so the whole album was uh, recorded with uh, Jolle at Luggage, which is uh, the other the other guy. Oh. So we're we're five in the band nowadays, basically, <laughs> two drums. It was fun last time we played at uh, Sweden Rock Festival. We had both of them come on at the same time for for a couple of numbers. That was good. Did they have separate kits, or were they sharing one kit? Yeah. Oh, we wheeled uh, Joel on after a bunch of songs, so they were playing a couple of songs at the same time. Sounded big. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should record that, do a, a live album with the two of them. Or we on should. some tracks, at least. We want to make a... It would be great to make a live album, but... Um, to make a, a great live album, then it should be done like uh, like bands used to do it, you know, like you, you record a bunch of gigs and then you pick the best versions. So it would have to be recorded on a on a proper tour, I think. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's start touring. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the new album Upside Down coming out April twentieth. And so, things, oh, I'm thirtieth. Oh, my eyes. I'm sorry. Um. So hopefully by the end of 2021, you'll be able to go out on tour, or at the worst, plan a a summer tour for 2022, in support of the album. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, or we had uh, shows booked over here in May, and they've been they've been moved to September. Uh, and then we have a new booking agent for Europe uh, in Germany uh, who's 
I think he's, he's, he's looking at doing some like Corona restricted shows towards the end of the summer. But it's all it's all plans. I mean, I think the next couple of next couple of months will we will know more. I, I I think it's all it's all up in the air at the moment. It's weird. Yes, and changing rapidly. So yeah. hopefully for the better. Yeah. So next year is also the thirtieth anniversary of Groovis Maximus. I know your your priority will be to tour upside down, but do you have any plans to do a Groovis Maximus anniversary tour? I haven't been thinking of that. Is is it uh, next year? Yeah, ninety two. A good idea. Maybe we should. So, that's <laughs> a great album. I would love to see that play, the whole album played live. That's just great. Thank you. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, like you said, obviously we want to tour and promote the new album first. But uh, yeah, maybe. I kind of like those uh, whole album shows. I I remember seeing uh, Cheap Trick doing uh, In Color in London. They were doing three nights in a row when they did the first, first, second and the third album. That was really good. I didn't get a chance to see that. I did recently see um, L.A. Guns playing um, Cocked and Loaded, the entire album, uh, which they were saying was was kind of challenging because some of those songs weren't written to ever be played live. Yeah. They, I, I know. guess they had a lot of fun with it. That's kind of a, that's the thing, I guess. You know, I mean, you write songs and then you realize afterwards that it, some of them might be not not as great for live as as they might might be on a record because they might have like a special production or strings or whatever you know but uh yeah we'll see maybe speaking of playing live i also heard you played a led zeppelin tribute in front of led zeppelin and swedish royalty can you tell us about that that's probably the scariest moment of my life <laughs> It was uh, yeah, it was the polar polar prize, and uh, we we played at the banquet. I think the word is in English. Is it ban banquet? 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 Yeah. Thank okay. You. Uh, so it was the royal family and and Led Zeppelin and everyone else. They were all sitting there eating, and it was really quiet. You know, like not not a gig atmosphere at all well when they were eating they were chatting but when we were gonna play it was just silence and uh, first of all when they when they phoned me up i said uh, the first thing i thought am i gonna you know stand there and play a whole lot of love like so many cover bands or whatever in front of them i'm like no that's not gonna work <laughs> but well at least i was <laughs> Thankfully, I was smart enough to say, "Can I phone you back in a little while?" And I and I thought about it, and then I then I have the, I have this friend who's a drummer, but he's also um, like a human beatbox. He does the beatbox thing with his mouth. So I was thinking, okay. what if I bring him in, in and do an acoustic thing, and then have a sta have stand up bass and mandolin and do something like that? And just because he's he's also really funny. 
character and uh, and he's everybody loves him so I, that that might be a way of doing it so so we ended up doing some kind of medley and uh but it was really it was really like frightening <laughs> uh, but of course after the show I, we all went straight to the bar and, like oh, quickly need a coffee <laughs> <laughs> this guy came out and knocked me on my shoulder and said Hey, you're Connie, right? Yeah, Jimmy Page wants to meet you. I'm like, okay, he's, he's gonna knock me out now. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and he, he came, shook my hand, and said that, uh, "Hey, I just wanted to meet you and say that this was one of the most interesting uh, cover versions of of uh, our material I've heard." So I was totally blown away. I was, I couldn't stop smiling for the whole evening. You know, it's like it was totally crazy. But what I what I loved about it is that he, meeting him and seeing his um, his eyes, he, he just felt like uh, um, so. What's the what's the word? Like sharp and and young and uh, inspired and everything. It, it wasn't at all like some old guy who's been drinking too much or who's like tired of music or whatever. He he was he was like a little kid, you know. Uh, that really inspired me, and it was the same thing with Alice Cooper. At one time, uh, we went to say hi to him at, when he was playing at um, uh, the Tivoli in Stockholm, and he, was, he had a meet and greet at, at a little theater where Beatles played in the in the 60s. So I went up to him, and I had my son with me so he could like see a snake and stuff like that, and. And Alice said, uh, hi guys, how you doing? And then he started talking about that. Uh, Can you believe it? The Beatles played on this stage. And he was like a little <laughs> kid as well. I was like, fuck, that, that's what, that's what keeps, keeps him going. And that's what keeps everyone going. To have that, that vibe still, you know? Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to get old and, and boring, you know? He still had that youthful mentality. That was great. Yeah, I, I saw him um, perform a couple of years ago. And in his 70s, he's still jumping around the stage. He's still, uh, you know, doing all the antics he did in his 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know, it was great. And sober. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So who else excites you? Who else inspires you? Anybody from the, the newer crop of musicians? Oh, that's that's difficult. There's so it could be anything from day to day, you know. I'm sure it's the same thing with you. I mean, you there's so much good music. You put on a record and and you're like, Oh, I love this. This is great. And uh, I can't think of anything in in particular. I listen to so much music. I, I I love listening to reggae at home because it just makes me feel 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 good. But it doesn't. It's not like I'm writing a reggae tune straight afterwards. But <laughs> it makes me feel good. But um, to be honest, most of the music that inspires me is. Is unfortunately uh, 
older stuff. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, this, this just something about the playing and the productions and some. There's something about about it that that I like. I think a lot of times nowadays, especially with hard rock, it's it's uh, production-wise, it's it's a bit like a wall of sound. Whereas with if you listen to Deep Purple or Led Zeppelin or whatever or Van Halen or anything, it's like you you can really hear the personality from one guy in in that speaker and one guy in that speaker. It's not like it's not just a wall of sound. So it's more personal in a way. I don't know. I think I think so. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I I really like how it's often a musical conversation with some of the older music that that seems to be lacking with some of the newer ones you know brian may playing to um freddie mercury you know and then playing off of each other in the music um that's not as common these days yeah that's a good point too i mean like like the bands that i grew up listening to usually or a lot of times they had that. There was a singer who was great and had his own personal thing going, and then there was the guitar player who had the same thing. So it was like this duo. Yes. Aerosmith had it, Stones oh, had yeah. it, uh, In had it, uh, Van Halen had it. I mean, lots of bands had that. Maybe yes. lots of bands with nowadays as well, but like I was saying, production-wise, it's a more like... There's a lot of overdubs and, and there's double tracked guitars and so there's more like a just a wall of sound instead of that dynamic the dynamic I, I like the dynamics I guess I get that yeah so I, I'd like to switch tracks here this is a question it might be a little pedantic but I've always wondered this so let's go back to 1990 91. Funk and Metal Carpet Ride is riding high with singles like All Lips and Hips, Electrified, Psychedelic Eyes. Um, you were presumably working on Groovus Maximus. Then Polar Music, I assume, comes knocking and asks, asks you and a bunch of other Swedish bands to record a tribute to ABBA. Why did you choose King Kong Song, which is awesome. I love your cover of that. I'm just curious, why did you pick that song? Because... We were looking like crazy, listening through all their stuff, and we were looking like crazy to find a song that had a riff in it. Okay. I mean, they were masters of melody, like the Beatles, but you wouldn't find any 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 guitar riffs in the songs. Uh, but that song had one, so we were like, okay, maybe we could do this riff and sort of slow it down or play it heavier or do something with it. So. So it gets a bit heavier, basically. I, Sweden was always a pop country to me, and we could never, we couldn't really relate to all these Swedish artists that were singing in Swedish, which is one thing. That's that's okay if you want to do do that. But the mu, but music-wise, it was very pop-oriented. So when we came came out with the first album, it was really different, and we we couldn't relate to these bands, but we could relate to early Aerosmith and lots of American bands and English bands. Um, 
So I guess, you know, our way of trying to be different on that tribute was to find find something that we could, that we could do, something that was a bit heavier. And it's funny because we, were, we went to the release party and Bjorn and Benny was there. And uh, we said hello to him and they, one of them said, that, did you really have to bring that song up? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing that um, maybe it's not their, their um, best moment lyric-wise, maybe. <laughs> but I'm glad you oh. like it. And we did what we could to, make, to try to make it a, something that we could do, you know. Song they written, but it 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 was kind of the song that we could we could do. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I still listen to it. Um, it's it's just a lot of fun to to hear you guys take that on, and and the lyrics are just they're fun. They don't mean anything, you know. It's it's great. You know, it's it's not a serious song. Um, Definitely not. So tell I me a little no bit more what it's about actually. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> but, but to be honest, I mean Beatles I think Beatles and ABBA is is similar in that way that um it was so much about the melodies and and the right words to go with the melody and if if they were perfect together they, it was impossible not to be for it not to be catchy, if you see what I mean. And and there was this yes. interview with John and Benny, and they they were talking about how they wrote how they wrote the songs, and and they said that they could spend hours on just trying. They had a melody, but then they could spend hours or or, or a lot of time to just to find words that would work with that melody. So. Obviously, it's it's the opposite to someone like Bob Dylan who has a, a strong opinion about something or wants to tell a story. But and they they were just trying to fit in words that would work with the melodies. And both yeah. both words are great, but it's it's not a it, when you hear that it's it, it's not a big surprise that how why they why everything they did was so catchy. And it, it was the same thing with Beatles often, especially in the early days with all the yeah yeah yeah. And uh, and someone had been analyzing the Beatles stuff and said that, have you noticed how they always start the songs with a title? Which is also in interesting when you, when you think about it. Hell, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Or she loves you, yeah, yeah. It always starts with the, with the title. So they, boom, it's instant. It's like you, you got the title in to people's, people's minds. I should start doing that. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll be really successful one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of advice for you guys. I, I do like your uh, the openings of of so many of your songs. You know, you've always got this this really interesting opening to your singles. Um, uh, let me think. Like lips and hips. It it starts out with um, the sitar. The the sitar. And then you pause, and there's you a cappella saying, "Now dig this," and then a heavy riff, and it's just it's this great intro. Um, and then, uh, I mean, so many of your songs are the same way. 
you know, you just get this really interesting, you know, you can be, I remember, you know, in the, in the late eighties, the, the early nineties, listening to rock radio, there's, you know, a Bon Jovi song, there's, um, I don't know, Dawkins song, you know, and then, you know, and there's crashing drums and, and driving bass, and then there's a sitar just breaking up the radio, and then it goes into, you know, um, all lips and hips or electrified or, you know, psychedelic eyes. That was another one with a great opening. Um, and it just, it just breaks the flow on the radio and it really makes you stand up and take notice. Um, and I always thought that might be one of the secrets to your success is you break with everything that came, that, that somebody might've heard before with that intro. And then it's, you know, uh, your your riffs and you know the funky vocals and and everything, but it's it's this this unusual opening, this unusual start to the song. Um, I always thought that would be really. I always thought that was very interesting on the radio. It just breaks it up. It it says this is something different right now. Yeah. So well, that that's good. I guess that was the idea. And. Um... I think that the intro wasn't. Uh, I, I actually, I, I know the intro wasn't there from the beginning. But um, and the sitar thing, obviously, that's something that that I took from George Harrison. But it hadn't been done mixed with a heavy riff like that. So I guess that that was a bit different at the time. I also remember when we recorded with Bob Rock. He said that he said that it's it's always great to have something like a like a little sound or something that happens just before the song actually starts. So if you're in a club and you hear this sound, whatever it is, and and you, it makes you go, "Oh, now now comes that song," and then the song yeah. hits you. So I remember when we were, when we recorded, uh, for instance, there's a song called "Captain of My Soul" on on the Funkomelo Copyright International album, because we re recorded um, five new songs for that with Will Brock, and and "Captain of My Soul" started with the riff, but he said we should have like this sound before it to build up before the riff starts. So he came up with that idea, and stuff. and it, it's it's a good idea actually. It's a, uh, you know, to set up a, a mood before you kick in with a riff. So the new album, Upside Down, is coming out April 30th. Yeah. Um, and we, you've got the, the single Super God. Um, will we hear another single before the album drops? Yeah, this is a song of Tumbling Dominoes, which is going to be out mid-March. Eight, 17 or 19 or something like that and I think there's going to be a third one uh, to go with the album which is uh, it, uh, what's that song it, it's not the end it's the title of that song so uh, three three singles is planned as it is now okay yeah um, anything else we should know about the new album it's great. 
Well, if well, Super I'll God is any indication, then yeah, it will be great. I think it's 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 hard to uh, review an album you just recorded, but uh, I think it's quite varied. It's not as funky, but it's uh, it's a bit harder and uh, it's got more edge to it than the the last album we did. It's a bit more. Fuss, fuss guitars and wah wah guitars and I don't know. I'm I'm really pleased with it actually. But um, yeah, I just, I just want to go on the road again. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, hopefully that happens pretty soon. So I have one more question for you. Connie Bloom, if you were to build a supergroup around yourself, who else would you put in it? Alive or dead, any musician from any time? Wow. Jesus. Can we can we decide on what what kind of music it's going to be first, and then I'll put the band together. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. So many. I mean, I'm 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 a first of all, I'm a big fan of drummers, and I mean, I love Mitch Mitchell, I love John Bonham, I love, I love Ian Pace, Mick Tucker. There's so many different styles. So if you put a band together, it would it would you you would have to know what kind of music it is going to be and then pick pick the pick them the right guys to to perform it i guess unless it's just going to be a big jam event um i, I don't know let's say um Mitch Mitchell okay just to make it a bit different because i'm not the drummers I'm playing with now is is a bit more heavy, not so jazzy. So that could be interesting. Uh, Dan McCafferty on vocals, so I can be really annoyed with just knowing that I can never <laughs> sing like that. Um, bass player, maybe uh, John Entwistle. Uh, John Lord on organ, uh, a bunch of uh, soul backing singers and uh, a horn section. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty good super group. If you ever put that together, I want tickets. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a good plan, right? Yeah. But it wouldn't be, I, I couldn't put it together unless you had asked me. So you'll be, you'll be the executive producer. Sounds good. <laughs> we got to come up with a great name. Wow. That's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you'd even begin on that. We can start a <laughs> mail discussion after this and we'll come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the next the next difficult thing is to bring them back to life. But we'll discuss that. We'll find a way. 
maybe, maybe we'll bring in the pharmaceutical companies that have made the the COVID vaccine. I'm sure yep. they're working yep. on something to bring people back. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Connie, where can where can people check out the Electric Boys and hear the latest news about the the new album and the future? What's your socials? What's your website? Well, it's uh, the website is electricboys.com, and then uh, Instagram and f Facebook, Electric Boys Official. Yeah, that's it. Connie Bloom, again, the original freaky funkster, singer, guitarist, lead songwriter for the Electric Boys, and solo artist with a couple of great albums. Thank you very much for being on the show and, and for talking to us. Thanks for having me. You know, it's a pleasure. It was fun. Some interesting questions. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was a good conversation. I'm really looking forward to picking up Upside Down on April 30th uh, and the new singles, Tumbling Dominoes, and It's Not the End coming out before then. So Thanks, thank you man. very much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Remember, to hear the music discussed in this interview, stream the on-demand Hard Heavy and Hair show at pariahrocks.com. That's P-A-R-I-8-H-R-O-C-K-S dot com. Also hit pariahrocks.com to stream or listen on a radio station near you. The regular two-hour Hard Heavy and Hair show with me, Pariah Burke. Hard Heavy and Hair is your weekly dose of hard rock, heavy metal, and hair bands from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 20 teens, and today, including the latest new releases, your old favorites, and deep cuts and rare hair, along with rock news and trivia. This has been a Pariah Burke production, copyright 2021, pariahrocks.com. The home of hard, heavy, and hair. Send requests, fan mail, and nude photos to hard, heavy, and hair on pariahrocks.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at pariahrocks. Pariah